0: Hypothetically, if they're really high on a guy, the right move would be to go get their guy. That doesn't mean it's the right move. That doesn't mean that I think it's the right move.
1: Yeah, I mean, Des Fitzpatrick was their guy, right? (laughs) Right, right.
0: Welcome into the Titans 10 for Wednesday. April the 6th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, a broadcaster and writer with Broadway Sports Media and the 440 Podcast Network, joined as always by James Foster of No Flags Film on YouTube, Twitter, and Patreon. James, hello. How's it going? It's going well. We, uh, we're we just going to do a little pod today covering some Titans news from the last week. Um, our last pod on this feed was Our interview with Austin Gale last week, which if you missed it, definitely go back and listen to that on Thursday, I believe is when it came out and uh, it was a great conversation. We talked about the draft. we, We went through a number of different prospects. He's an incredibly talented guy, so it was a great time talking to him today. We just wanted to cover. I've got three things written down the first of which and we can only. Touch brief, briefly on this if we want to, because I don't have a ton to say. Um, I don't think anybody should have a ton to say because it, it was a non-story from the beginning. The AJ Brown trade rumors, if you want to call them that, I'm not sure if you can substantiate the person doing the rumoring as being uh, very qualified to to know what they're talking about. There were there were a handful of people in New York Jets. Twitter and media and the fan base kind of took it and ran with it. This idea that AJ Brown amongst some other young wide receivers in the league, like DK Metcalf in Seattle, Debo Samuel in, in San Francisco, but they seem to have fixated on AJ Brown. I'm guessing because of his relationship with Elijah Moore um, and Corey Davis, who are receivers in New York, because he doesn't have an extension. They seemed to latch onto this idea that, you know, the Titans could be looking to move AJ Brown. His price tag could just be too much for them to bear at 20 to 25 million dollars when he gets his extension, which I expect him to get probably this this summer, but at, at some point they will extend him because he'll remain with the Titans because he's their most he's the most impactful player. He's the he's the, you know, I don't know if you necessarily can say he's the best player on the team. There's certainly an argument to be to be made that he is the best player at his position on on the team, but he's certainly the most important player on the on the offense and we saw that last year it was demonstrated when he was on and off the field uh how the passing game really fell apart when he wasn't there and then he'd come back and in that san francisco thursday night game carried them to a win over a team that was really hot and got them a win that that really sealed them the one seed so he's not going anywhere and and it was it was always nonsense to me at least what what did you did you have any thoughts on it besides this is ridiculous
1: yeah. It was really kind of weird how the entire story was really just manifested by a handful of people being like, Hey, it would be nice if this happened, you know, like there was, there's really no, um, yeah, le- there's no like legitimate inside information or whatever that the Titans would be receptive to a trade. Everything that they've said publicly right uh, has said the opposite. The, like, just in terms of the, the spot that they are as a franchise, with Ryan Tannehill probably in his last year with the team, um, it, it paying him a little over 20 million a year. While it, it seems expensive, it's not really unmanageable given where they are, uh, financially. So, yeah, right. that just never made sense to me at all.
0: Yeah, and that and that's an important point. I mean, there was never—I I was going back and forth with with somebody that was very adamant that, and in fan bases, they they love to just make make things up like this. This guy, he had it in his head that AJ Brown was was very adamant about wanting a, a new contract, wanting an extension. And I was just asking him where where have you seen this? Because if you've seen this somewhere, I, I I would like to be privy to it. Can you show me where? where you have seen that he is, you know, outwardly asking, he was, he was comparing it to the Tyree kill trade. He's like, well, nobody saw the Tyree kill trade coming, but, but it happened. So it could happen with AJ. And, and, and I said, Tyree kill is a guy that was outwardly and publicly. And it was, it was a well-known thing that he wanted a big extension. He wanted money. He wanted the bag and he went and he got the bag in Miami because they were offering him a ridiculous sum of money. AJ Brown has, made no such comment publicly about his desire to get more money or his desire to get an extension now as opposed to later. He seems pretty chill, especially in terms of wide receivers and their proclivity towards uh, being a, a bit dramatic. He's been pretty just, chill about the whole thing. Just let whenever let me just they say extended,
1: that wanting – wanting an extension and wanting a lot of money when you're on an expiring contract would be an accurate description for 100% of NFL players. So right
0: right. And and he was and he was trying to to press the point, "Oh, you don't think he wants an extension." And it's like, "No, he wants one, but there's a difference between wanting something and and being willing to leverage something." And he's made no He's made no public. I mean, he all of all of his indications uh, about where he's at in terms of the contract have been the opposite, right? I mean, in the middle of all this hubbub over the weekend, he tweeted out that that he was just as tired of this as everyone else was. He changed his profile on Twitter to in all caps Tennessee, which it remains. Um, and then it, it came out today, I think, per Diana Rossini that uh, her sources have indicated the Titans have no plans, of course, to move A.J. Brown, because there were never any plans to move A.J. Brown, and the entire thing was based on faith, trust, and pixie dust, really. Like, there was nothing, like you said, to have gone off of to think this might be a thing. And it's funny to watch all of Jets' media and the fan base I've seen today have have done a, a very... Uh, very smooth and commendable pivot from AJ Brown to well DK was all DK Metcalf was always really the more realistic guy anyways and he'd be an awesome guy in this system for X Y and Z reasons so uh, good luck with that um, I am you know have at it you're, you're still going to be horrible and the worst in your division and your your uh, your schedule this year is I believe I saw that the Jets have the second. Uh, most difficult schedule, depending on the metric that you use, which is hilarious because that's the last thing that that franchise needs. So best of luck to you up there, uh, the New Jersey Jets. Um, But moving on to our next topic, a much more interesting, pleasant topic for Titans fans. This was a big deal at the very tail end of last week and over the weekend, the the latest breaking news on the Titans potential new stadium which i I say potential up until this weekend it was kind of up in the air as to whether or not they would be doing renovations which is something that they had talked about doing previously that was kind of the plan for the past year and slowly it has transitioned towards well maybe they build a new stadium right because the the price tag of renovating the current stadium the number just kept going up and up the more problems they dug into realizing things that they had to change with the foundation and and things being out of date the 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 entire window infrastructure in the stadium would need replacing and they don't even make that window anymore it's so old all of these little details the price tag was getting so high that it recently it, towards the end of last season and in the beginning of the off season titans officials city officials titans ownership was kind of hinting that they were thinking about a new stadium. And then on April 1st, which it was not an April Fool's joke, uh, believe it or not, I got a number of responses on my tweets about this, that this was a nice April Fool's joke, but it it was not an April Fool's joke. It was just inconvenient timing. The Tennessee house speaker, Cameron Sexton, went on the Dan Mandis show, which is a show here in town on Nashville radio, to talk about the new stadium for the Titans. And uh, the, the entire interview detailed the the plans for for this new stadium that are still preliminary there's nothing set in stone but there's a couple of things that we that we know the the Titans put out a statement uh, reporting saying that, that the Adams family was prepared to invest 700 million dollars in a new stadium they said quote we are all in on committing to our home here in Nashville while we're still pursuing the best path forward for the stadium any financing plan will involve significant private investment. We appreciate the collaboration of the state as we continue to investigate all options. Now, that private investment, I believe the number that was being passed around this, this weekend was around $600 million, the $600 million ballpark. To add on to that $700 million from the Adams family, the state is prepared to apparently, as long as in their, their contingency is that it's a domed stadium. Um, so it's looking more and more like that's going to be what the Titans end up getting is a, is a domed facility, which we'll talk more about here in a minute. But if it's a domed stadium, the state Governor Bill Lee seems prepared to offer in the five to six hundred million dollar ballpark. And then the, the kind of last big chunk of money that you're expecting would probably come from the city. But but the city has Mayor John Cooper has been kind of reticent to commit to anything yet. Uh, you could see something in the three to four to $5 million range from them as well. There are a couple of other small uh, avenues for money. The, the bill's new stadium plan that just got proposed and passed, I believe involves a $200 million loan from the NFL. Um, so the NFL is not paying for the stadium, but they're, they're providing a significant loan that I guess ownership would pay off eventually. So all of that put together puts you in the 1.6 to 2.1 million dollar ball or billion dollar ballpark, excuse me, uh, for the new stadium. Certainly a sizable chunk of change that based on other stadiums that have been built recently would be more than enough to build a really nice state of the art um, industry leading domed stadium here in Nashville. That's all of the information uh, that, you know the reporting side of things let's talk about our thoughts on it james when you saw this information that came out on friday uh from the speaker and and on the radio and talking about all these numbers from all these different places looking to give money this all is kind of moving pretty quickly do you do you think that this is going to come to fruition
1: i mean i hope so i i think that um you know, when you compare Tennessee stadium to the other stadiums around the NFL, it's one of the worst ones. The, the main thing has yes. there been any indication about whether it'll be turf or artificial turf or what the deal with that will be?
0: Well, so that was, a that was a big point that I was, that I had made in, in my tweeting about it. There's not been any indication from the, the people in charge of planning the stadium. So, you really only have precedent in the NFL to go and look at uh, to to de- really determine what they could do now with domed stadiums and this is a point that I was going back and forth with some people on Twitter people aren't really on the same page about this so everybody huddle around listen in. Here's the situation with precedent. And I'm not talking about what can and can't be done in terms of, well, well, technically you could do it this way. I, I don't know, right? I'm not a structural engineer. I don't have any experience in building stadiums. I don't know what's technically possible. I don't know about the cutting edge technology of turf management and, and light production in indoor stadiums. Like maybe there's a way in the, the cutting edge of technology to do things that haven't been done before, but based on what has been done before, The NFL has four stadiums currently that are domed with with uh, retractable roofs, which the the planning committee here in town has talked about how they want a domed stadium with a retractable roof. So that sounds like, again, none of these plans are in stone, but it does sound like one of the things that is um, kind of settled on likely going to be the case. Right. It's, It's essentially the plan although the plan isn't set fully, right? So the plan being having a, an open stadium, uh, an op- an openable roof on the domed stadium. There are four such stadiums like that in the NFL already. Uh, I believe that it's Houston, Indianapolis, um, Dallas and Arizona. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong about the Arizona part, uh, but I know that there are four of them and all four have turf inside them. Field turf, not real grass, um, a lot of people were, were coming at me on Twitter for assuming that a domed stadium would have turf because, well, you open it up and the sun comes in. Well, y- you might think that, but but it seems to be a lot more difficult than that, right? Because none of the stadiums like that in the NFL have real grass. Now, if you go back in time, and this was news to me, I looked into it when somebody brought it up, the Houston Stadium, NRG Stadium in in Houston, they – had real grass in their domed retractable roof stadium back in 2012, 2013. Um, But apparently it was a constant disaster and, and players on both the Texans teams and the opposing teams were always complaining about it being a safety hazard. It was choppy. It was always getting torn up. And and I, I guess the sod that they would bring in wouldn't really, wouldn't really like grow and catch into the, the, the field tray in there. Like it would constantly be torn up and, and have, bits and pieces sticking out of the field. It sounded like a disaster from what I read. And they, they quickly changed it over to turf after a couple of years of trying the grass indoors method and have been turf uh, for the better part of the last decade. So it sounds like the answer is no. Now the other alternative technically in, in stadium design is to do a field tray, right? Like in Arizona and in, and in Las Vegas, those are the two stadiums that have retractable, field trays uh, where the entire field pulls out into the parking lot, right? Which is my favorite stadium and field design. I think that's doing it the right way because I'm a huge believer and I have a feeling you probably are the same way, James, that football should be played on grass and, and based on what you hear from players and people that are professionals in, in the league who do this for a living, the grass is significantly more forgiving on the body. It leads to significantly less injuries. Now, of course, that's grass that's well kept. Um, but you hear from players all the time that they really aren't a big fan of playing on turf. Um, you see, like in practices, whenever the Titans have to go indoors on bad weather days, guys that are that are injured, like there was there was a, a period of time this past season where Bud Dupree trying to come back with his with his knee, they would be inside and outside back and forth one week and he would only practice on outdoor days because after those indoor sessions, when you have any kind of lower body injury, you tend to have a lot of swelling that you don't have from, from natural grass practice. And it's the same way with games, right? It's, it's a harder, less forgiving, less padded surface to run on. And it tends to, and this may be anecdotal. I, I would be interested to look into the actual numbers on this but it seems to lead to more injuries. Is that kind of the sense that you get with, with fake grass? Yeah, that's kind of
1: my main concern is that uh, I would want them playing on real grass. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, I, everything that has been a part of, of the projected proposal seems, seems really promising.
0: Right. And, and to finish that point, that point on the field tray, it would be great if they could do that. And that would be the, the easiest way for them to have a domed stadium with real grass. Unfortunately, based on where they're talking about building the stadium, which is going to be on the, uh, I believe, yeah, the east side of the stadium, the the other side of the stadium from the river, away from the river, the big parking lot between, uh, I believe, I- I-24 and 65, could be wrong about that, between those two intersta- or, uh, highways right there, there's the big main parking lot, uh, parking lots that they will do away with and be building the stadium right next to the existing stadium. So it'll be built simultaneously. Uh, The parking for the next couple of years, assuming the stadium does get built, will be a nightmare at games, an absolute nightmare. But it'll be worth it in the end. And, you know, they'll build the new stadium. And you'd assume eventually demolish the existing Nissan Stadium and make that into parking space. So that's the plan. Unfortunately, there's really only enough room right there for a stadium especially a massive new domed stadium that will probably be bigger and better than the existing stadium there's not any room for them to to incorporate um a big massive parking lot where you can roll an entire field out onto to get sunlight and grow grass on during the week um so i'd be shocked if they managed to do some kind of field tray situation it just doesn't seem like it would make sense logistically um so it kind of sounds like turf is going to be the move which sucks and i'm it's gross and I hate it and I will not support it, but um it, it kind of is what it is. I think that they honestly, frankly, might not care. Um, but the plan is tentatively the only other information that they that they put out there on the stadium is that tentatively they're hoping to have it open for the 2026 season, I believe. Um, which means it'd be three to four to five years, depending on delays, before they open this new this new stadium. And so the Titans will be playing in Nissan Stadium for the next three, four five years. I think it's great. It'll obviously be massive for the city because it'll bring in the opportunity for hosting a super bowl, hosting WrestleMania, which I don't know if you saw anything about it this past weekend, but WrestleMania, I've never been a huge wrestling fan. I have, have, have you been a wrestling fan at all in your life? No, no, me neither. But I, I watched bits and pieces of it and it really Pat McAfee content driven him being a, a big part of WWE now. And, uh, being in that wrestling scene logan paul came out and and was wrestling they're kind of embracing the meme that they are i think which is i think great for their brand um it's obviously a fake sport and and everyone knows it's a fake sport but if they're embracing the fact that it's a fake sport and that we're just all pretending this is real and it and and it's just pure electric big muscly men doing impressive things that aren't actually real but it's funny i think it's really fun and i I can't say that I'm inclined to do a pay-per-view and watched on TV, but if you gave me the opportunity in Nashville to go to a packed NFL stadium and watch that live, I would absolutely do that. That sounds electric. It sounds so much fun. Um, So WrestleMania is something that could come to Nashville in a new stadium. You could with the indoor stadium host non all kinds of non football and soccer events. Like, Uh, Final Fours and, you know, big basketball tournament games, you could you could host um, massive concerts, uh, indoor stadium concerts, the list goes on and on, it would it would kind of revolutionize what Nashville can host in terms of massive stadium events, having a non outdoor, uh, non dilapidated and 20 year old stadium as much as uh, I love Nissan Stadium and its homeliness, it's not quite um, I mean, when was you, you went to the the last playoff game there, right? So you've been to the stadium lately.
1: Yeah, I went to the Bengals game and the Texans game uh, this year.
0: And it's I mean, it's Great just
1: experiences.
0: <laughs> you you picked some bad ones to go to, uh, but it's I mean, the stadium it needs it needs a facelift significantly, or ideally uh, to be blown to pieces.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't, it's
0: not like noticeably bad. Like it's, it's fine. There's nothing. It's just very basic. Yeah. right. That's the main thing to me. You, you see these, you see film of like the Jerry dome and all the incredible things they have in there out in Santa Barbara where uh, San Francisco stadium is. I mean like in San Francisco stadium, you can get a DNA test. They have an in house lab where during a football game, you can get a DNA test, which is dumb and random, but like, there's so much more you can do with these other stadiums. The Titan stadium feels like a, like a glorified um, Vandy stadium is, is too, that's too rough. Cause Vandy stadium is awful, but a glorified college stadium. It, it's just like the bleacher seats and food and that's it. It's a lot of concrete and just ugly and boring. I don't know. It's, it's not state of the art. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, 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 at this point it's definitely functional. Like I don't ever go to a game and notice the stadium really in a, in a good or bad direction. But I think that kind of adding that extra flair and uh, just enhancement to the experience will be awesome.
0: Yeah. Agreed. So new stadium, hopefully uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot more announced about that. The details and such will come out uh, in due time. They seem to be moving pretty quickly on it. So it wouldn't shock me if, uh, before next season starts, there's kind of a, a hard plan, maybe a, even a deal reached. Um, and and I can't wait to see those mock-ups, man. They're, they're going to be so cool looking. Um, and it's going to be cool to go to the games and just peek over the backside of the existing stadium and see all the progress on the construction right next door. The final topic we have to discuss today, which I'm really curious to hear your input on this, James. It's the inevitable month-long quarterback debate that is now in Full swing in Titans media, in Titans fandom, uh, Titans Twitter ha- has really embraced this, and it's it's ramped up in the past couple of days. The Titans, it's no secret that Ryan Tannehill is a limited quarterback, and ever since the offseason began earlier than the Titans hoped, thanks in large part maybe exclusively uh, to Ryan Tannehill's horrible performance against the Bengals in the playoffs, People have been wanting to put his head on a on a pike ever since, and understandably so to an extent. Obviously, this season, the early on, the idea was get him out of here. I don't want to see him play in this next year was never realistic. I said so from the night that they lost against the Bengals. He was he was going to be the quarterback in 2022. There was no getting around that. There was no getting around his cap number. There was no finding a viable alternative and taking an enormous cap hit to get him out of there and, and still being a competitive team. But the conversation has shifted to the draft this year, getting a guy in this very limited quarterback draft class, having him sit behind Ryan Tannehill, a trusted veteran, competent quarterback, like a like a Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes situation in Kansas City in 2017, and letting him learn the ropes and, and step in and start next year when Ryan Tannehill is cut and, and released to the masses. I, we've been pretty pretty straightforward on this podcast pretty consistent with the fact that we're out on the Titans taking a first round quarterback we're out on this draft class of quarterbacks in general we're not really impressed at all with these guys but the conversation has shifted towards I guess the the two factions are kind of at each other's throats and I, I made a joke about this first of all before we even get into the quarterback debate I made a joke about this earlier today there's the there's the faction that is convincing themselves that the Titans should draft a first round quarterback. And then there's a faction of people that are, that are steadfast in the idea that it should absolutely be a wide receiver. Got to go wide receiver in the first round. And, and because those two factions are so large and strong and growing and entrenching themselves in their opinion, I'm convinced John Robinson's going O-line like it feels inevitable that, that both sides will be wrong. They will both lose and be unhappy on that Thursday night of draft night. I don't see it going well for them. I think it's, it's, it's just, it just makes too much sense, right. To go with the boring offensive line pick in the first round.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I really don't fall into either category as far as it, ha- like it has to be one certain position because well, you're all about trading
0: back, which I think we we agree there.
1: Yeah. But I mean, even if you are, even if you are, staying put at 26 it, it all depends on what positions other teams attack in the earlier right. picks like if there's a run on receivers then don't force the issue with receiver and take someone that shouldn't be taken in the first round and that extends to every other position
0: yeah it, it certainly is going to be dependent on on who's available and what the the run on on different positions is early in the draft. I mean, I think <laughs> selfishly it would be ideal in my opinion for the top three or four quarterbacks to go far earlier than they should uh, have some desperate or foolish teams draft them in the the low to mid teens. And suddenly the last guy or the, the best available quarterback at 26 is a, you know, a Matt Corral or um, a Sam Howell or a Carson strong. Like if those, if those top guys are gone, it might make up the Titans mind for them Um, because if they do have a a quarterback in mind, I don't, I don't think that they're enamored with this class as a whole. Like it would, it would not shock me if you told me, Oh, they've got a guy, they've got a quarterback who's their guy on their board, but they have graded higher than you'd probably expect. That wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't, it would shock me if they're like, yeah, they want a quarterback and there are three or four guys that if they're there, they're taking him. I just don't see that being the case this year. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to say, like, it's, it's really hard to, uh, you know, watch the film and then just assume that another team has your same evaluation uh, for a, for a quarterback. Like I expect them to be higher on Desmond Ritter than I am because when I do my grades, they're not, Titans specific they're just sort of general grades for the entire team right or for the entire league whereas Desmond Ritter played in a similar offense to Tennessee's relative to to the other quarterbacks so I would expect them to like him a little bit more so yeah I mean I it's I don't really get into the game of like projecting what a team what specific players a team is going to like outside of publicly available information. Um, right. You know, I think that, uh, I I agree with your sentiment that I I kind of hope that some other teams will knock out the landmines by, by taking quarterbacks off the board for the Titans.
0: Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I which might I backfire because then then they take a then they take a Matt Corral at 26 and and you're just you're you're uh you're punching yourself yeah. in the face. Yeah, I don't know. It I if I had to
1: guess, my I'm leaning towards them not being uh not feeling like they need to force the issue on quarterback and and reach according to their board at 26.
0: Right. But you never know. Well, and and I, I want to talk about the debate that specifically, right the 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 ongoing battle over quarterback in Titans, media, Titans, Twitter, The going argument of of many on the pro quarterback side of this debate is really is is really a counter argument more than it is. They are more arguing against the logic of people saying no quarterback than they are arguing for a quarterback in particular. Like I I don't see many people out there saying you're wrong about this quarterback class. There's this guy or this guy or this guy that I'm really high on. And I think that, that they're, the team's going to see this too. And that he, I I have faith that he's going to turn into a, a stud in the league. You don't really see that. You see people responding to people saying like, like, I, like I would say, like you might say about a quarterback class being really weak, Taking a quarterback for the Titans doesn't make any sense for them in this position based on their draft picks, based on where they are as a team. All of these things, it doesn't make sense to them to take a quarterback from this draft class, considering how weak it is. they They'll respond essentially saying the argument boils down to, but what if you're wrong? Which is a really silly non-argument, right? Like they they love to talk about their favorite thing to talk about is the Watson and Mahomes draft class where Trubisky was the top prospect going in and Mahomes in particular had a, had a really low grade, you know, Joe Lenardi had, or uh, not, not Lenardi, uh, zero line had a 6.30 grade on, on Mahomes and Trubisky had a seven and, and the entire class was supposed to be a bunch of garbage. And then you got two generational talents out of it. Listen, we got to stop talking about Mahomes and Watson like they're the rule when they're clearly the exception, right? Like I, I listed today on Twitter, a whole, a whole list of guys in that zero line uh, ranking system that he has. And it's just one person's prospect grade, right? Like, so it changes, but it's a good barometer for a consensus. I think uh, Lance, their over the years in that six Three six two range of his of his ratings. He's had Nathan Peterman, Deshaun Kaiser, Jordan Love, Jacob Eason, Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, Ryan Finley, Mason Rudolph, Connor Cook, Johnny Manziel, AJ McCarron. All of those guys are between six two six four, which on his scale he says is a potential future starter, potential starter to your quarterback. So the Mahomes and and Josh Allen types that were also in that range they're like it happens right like you get guys that are kind of diamonds in the rough they end up being incredible but we can't we can't keep talking about them like they're the rule
1: yeah that I think um I think you can sort of take this specific argument or spat I, I would call it a spat just to uh emphasize how dumb it is but (laughs) like i think you can sort of take that argument and really extend it to just the entire draft process and the fact that people way overestimate how possible it is to accurately predict how these prospects are going to develop like you can take anyone that that gives their draft opinions publicly whether it's Um, You know, Lance Zerline, Dane Brugler, Mike Renner, even someone like Brett Coleman or Chris Sims, any of these people. And they'll have they'll have takes where they're higher on someone in the consensus. They'll be lower on someone in the consensus. And then in three years, people are like, oh, look, you were you were wrong on Justin Herbert or oh, um, Chris Sims was right that, you know, Lamar Jackson was the best quarterback. Ultimately, I just think it's so random that it's like, I think getting fixated on these individual grades and and projections of how these players are going to turn out, it's such a small sample size and it is just so incredibly difficult to project the career outlook of players uh, without being able to know you know, their personal work ethic, the scheme fit that they're going to, Mm. the quality of coaching that they're going to receive their injuries. It's like, all I can really do is say like, if they succeed, this is probably the reasons that they're going to succeed. If they fail, these are probably the reasons they're going to fail, but you know, so much can change. And so, yes, it's true that, that, uh, a quarterback class that doesn't seem very strong on the surface could turn into a quarterback class that has like two or three high quality starters, but ultimately all I can tell you is what the film says. And the film says, this is not a very strong quarterback class.
0: Right. And, and because it's so random and it's so scheme dependent, it's so fit dependent. It's so, um, Landing place dependent. I mean, a, a massive part of across the board at all these positions, the success of these guys is is going to be based on. Especially in the immediate, um, people don't like to wait and, and evaluate draft decisions three to four years down the road. They like to see what they do in their rookie year. Based on immediate success, a lot of it, if not the majority of it, is based on where you go and and the the quality of the landing spot that you that you find yourself in as a, as a prospect in the draft. But, but when it's so not random, but, you know, just unpredictable, it becomes a a probabilities game, right? It's a, it's a likelihood calculation and it's about what is your personal risk evaluation system, right? Like if, if you think that quarterback is, is such a massive need for this Titans team that you would rather take a you know five percent chance of success swing at twenty six um, on a quarterback than go with a, a higher likelihood selection of a wide receiver or you know a, a lineman that's that has fallen further than he should like a really high value pick because odds are if they're taking a quarterback at twenty six like we said earlier it's not going to be a high value selection because quarterback the position. Just naturally, there's going to be a quarterback inflation where quarterbacks are taken earlier in the draft than they should be because of the nature of the position, right? You're not going to get an incredibly high value pick um, if you go quarterback. So getting a higher value pick that might be a a lower risk pick, especially a position like wide receiver where – I was talking to Mike Herndon today and we're we're looking through the the wide receivers that were taken between 20 and 32 over the last couple of years. And roughly 40 to 50 percent of them have panned out as really good starters to superstars. So that's a pretty high hit rate as opposed to, uh, you know, taking a pretty low probability of success risk on a quarterback just because you're so desperate for one. If that's the way that you do your risk evaluations as a as a fan, then then fine. Like I get wanting to do that. I just think I think that's foolish. I think you're dumb for that. Um, but that's you know my my opinion on it, and you're you're entitled to to yours. But the argument that I seem to be getting as somebody that's that's vehemently against drafting a quarterback is that they want you to acknowledge that there's a chance you're wrong, which I do. Like I'm not saying you can't be definitive about anything in the draft. It's a lottery. It is a total crapshoot. And I've said that verbatim a couple of times now. You can't be certain. So everything I say, all these all of my takes on the draft are with that grain of salt that I could be wrong, but that's like that's that's bit, that's, that's the business, baby. You 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 make you make statements and you're right or you're wrong. Um, and hopefully you're entertaining along the way. I just don't I don't see a guy in this class that can make a difference. I, I can't change my opinion on that. I can acknowledge that there's a chance that I'm wrong about this. Obviously there's a chance that I'm I'm super wrong. I just think that chance is pretty minimal, but they seem to be asking you to acknowledge there's a chance you're wrong and or acknowledge that, well, maybe you see it that way, but may, maybe, maybe John Robinson and the personnel department, maybe they see it differently. And if they see it differently, shouldn't they go get their guy? Well, yeah, I get like, hypothetically, if they're really high on a guy, the right move for, would for them in their eyes would be to go get their guy, but that doesn't mean it's the right move. That doesn't mean that I think it's the right move.
1: Yeah. I mean, Des Fitzpatrick was their guy, right? <laughs> right. Right. That's when, and I don't like, I sort of, uh, I watch the quarterbacks first, uh, like right when the Titan season ends and then pretty much check out from the quarterback debate, just because it gets so repetitive and, and like, mind-numbing so i don't i don't really like have i guess as strong of a take on like the titans quarterback situation like if they take one they take one but this idea of oh like they if they they need they need to just go and get their guy and then you we support that blindly it's like teams have gone and gotten their guy plenty of times and jalen rager was the eagles guy and they
0: let justin jefferson fall into the lap of the vikings
1: yeah, I mean, theoretically every player that a team picks is gonna be their guy. And right. if if you're gonna be someone that that like watches film on players and uh critiques and comments on draft picks, then uh kind of the definition of that is agreeing or disagreeing with whether or not a player <laughs> should be a team's guy.
0: Right. Why would you why would you spend the entire draft season listening to podcasts and doing tape study and and your own like research doing mock drafts why would you bother with any of that if you're if your deference at the end of the day is going to be well you know i defer i defer to what the the team you know the team knows better than i so if the team makes the decision they're probably i gotta i gotta support that i gotta go with that like if they you know if they disagree with me well then they, excuse me like, i shouldn't have an opinion on this that's not that's not how that works when did when did what when did what John Robinson say, says and thinks become gospel with this group of fans? I was under the impression that they want to fire him every ten seconds.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It seems like kind of just a conversation ender to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's a pointless argument. And of course, we'll be having it for the next uh, twenty three days, I believe, until the draft. Um, we'll be doing a lot more draft content between then and now. Twenty three days is going to fly by fast. We're going to try to get as many high quality guests and high quality podcast episode topics in before now and then we'll probably be ramping up as we get closer and closer. One of those things we'll be doing is our continuation of our mailbag episode series. Um, We'll probably be sending out mailbag tweets the end of this week, probably uh, in preparation for a mailbag episode on Monday or Tuesday of next week. What do you think, James? Sounds good. Yeah. So we'll do that. We'll send out the all call for mailbag questions. If you want to go ahead and ask a question, How's the, how's the way they can go ahead and do that?
1: Uh, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts uh, or you know, a four-star review if it's at least 10 paragraphs college <laughs> thesis level. I, yes. I, I'll accept it. But yeah. nine paragraphs, no. Uh, but yeah, five-star review on Apple Podcasts or uh, that'll be priority one for the mailbag questions uh, or reply to our tweet, slide
0: in the DMs. Um, you know, there's a couple, there's a couple of ways, but leaving a review is certainly the best and you don't have to wait for our tweet. You you can, you can go ahead and ask that question now. Um, that's, that's the next thing on the docket. Probably we'll have another episode of this, this week. Um, we're going to start getting into our top 10 breakdowns of each, each position in this draft class. Those episodes will be coming at you fast and furious. The first of which is the quarterback episode which will be out later this week. Um, I know I've teased that once or twice now, and I was lying, Uh, but I promise that is actually coming out. It's recorded. It's ready to go, uh, and it's really great, so you can listen to us talk about the quarterbacks that we don't actually want to talk about on that episode. We've taken up enough of your time for today. Check in with us later this week with the new episodes coming out. Until then, I'm Easton Freeze. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Easton Freeze, at No Flags Film, at the Titans 10 BSM to follow uh, all of our content that's coming out, follow the show, updates, all of that good stuff. Make sure that you're following No Flags Film on YouTube, subscribe to his Patreon, all of those good things, and we will talk to you next time. Peace out.